All right, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Father's Day again. My name is Steve, and I'm very blessed to be the pastor. And uh, God is good to us. Mm -hmm. and we, are, we are honored this morning to be able to do what the Bible says. And the Bible says that you should give honor where it's due. And so this morning, I want to honor Rex Chin. Here's a man. Let's give him a round of applause. <laughs> Rex is a man of faithfulness. If you've ever called Rex's house, then you know what he's about. Because immediately when he answers, he asks one of two questions. Either, how can I bless you today? That's the usual one. Or if he's tired or in a hurry, sometimes he'll slip and say, how can I serve you today? Those are pretty much the two that it comes down to. But Rex is a man who knows the Lord's hand, has seen, it, has seen the Lord move in many ways for many mm. years. And so we're going to honor him today for Father's Day and interview Rex about what God's done in his life and remember the goodness of God together. Sound great? Yeah. So Rex, we are so blessed to have you here today. Thank and you. Victoria, where would Rex be without Victoria? It's <laughs> great. So this morning, uh, I'm going to ask a couple questions and Rex is going to, you can respond and we're just going to listen in. So the idea is we're going to kind of have a conversation and we all get to listen in together. Sound good? Okay. So Rex, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself for those who have not had the chance to really meet you well, just by way of introduction, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Okay, well, I uh, have been a Christian for, oh goodness, 60 some years, uh, when I was 20 years old in the Army. Uh, went to a little Baptist church next to the base, and uh, since it was Southern Baptist, they believed some things that I just couldn't quite go with, but I wanted God. And they didn't believe in drinking. Well, I didn't either. A bunch of my friends drank all the time, and it was just, they didn't believe in smoking. I didn't either. Nearly killed my dad. They didn't believe in gambling. I didn't either because I always lost. But they didn't believe in dancing and going to the movies. Well, that was about all there was to do in a little country town I grew up in. And I couldn't see what was wrong with that. And, I, well, I, and one of the um, things was that I didn't understand what salvation was and what the method, if, if you can call it that, of salvation was. I thought it was joining the church. thought that was, that was it. And uh, so I couldn't join a church and be a hypocrite, but why should I have to give that up? And the Lord kept working on me and says, uh, one night I'd been to the church and came home and I was there in the front seat of the car and said, well, God, why should I have to give this up? And he spoke to me just almost like in my ear he says, which is more important, that or me? Oh, okay, it's you, Lord. And then one of the interesting things was that I thought, well, okay, there's going to be bells and whistles and all sorts of things when I finally come to God. And that was my understanding, coming to God and joining the church. Well, in the Southern Baptist Church, they give an invitation at the end of the service for anybody who wants to 
give their lives to the Lord to come forward. And they stand there and everybody comes up and shakes their hand and goes back. And I said, okay, man, I'm going to, when that happens, I'm going to walk up there and there's just going to be lights flashing and bells ringing, all this stuff. Nothing happened. I just shook a lot of hands. And well, what in the world's going on here? Oh, baptism, that's when it is. It's going to hit me then. And so got up that baptismal tank and man, I, oh man, when I come up out of that water, there's going to be bells ringing and lights flashing and all this stuff. And I came up wet. <laughs> and I was later on, a couple of weeks, three, three weeks, I said, God, when's it going to happen? And again, just like as if he was talking in my ear, he says, well, just think, how long has it been since you've cussed? Well, in the army and the military, that's one of the prime things. He who can cuss loudest, longest, without repeating himself is the winner. Maybe in the Navy. <laughs> but I realized I hadn't cussed since that day. I had changed, and I didn't know it. And he says, think, how long has it been since you've missed reading your Bible study, uh, reading your Bible and praying? And my goodness, I used to try and read the Bible and pray, but it always lasts eh, a few days, and then it's over. My gosh, I haven't missed a day since then. And I've changed and didn't even realize it. And then one day, I said, man, I've got to trim my fingernails. I've never trimmed my fingernails in my life. I always bit them off. <laughs> that nervous energy, that everything had changed. And of course, uh, the common one is you see the clouds and, oh, I've never seen anything like that before. You see the trees in the fall. I've never seen colors like that. That's typical of others and it happened to me too. So uh, I've been delighted in the Lord ever since. And uh, then I found out about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, I, I knew about it, but you know they didn't practice it or anything. Kind of talked it down. And I said, man, there's something missing here. And uh, so I finally got into a charismatic church. And oh my, the, the, the freedom, the power, the everything. And uh, then the Lord brought me here. And uh, that's an interesting story, too, because I was living in Memphis, lost my job, and I was, as a chemist, I've been a scientist all my life, and, and chemistry is the field. And so good jobs in chemistry were not all that common in Memphis. So I had to look at a broader thing. I was coming through St. Louis one time and picked up a newspaper and said, well, I'll look through the ads because they have national ads in there too. And said, uh, there was one in there for a job here in St. Louis. I said, oh no, no, no way. St. Louis is number three on the list of places I will not live. <laughs> Every time I'd ever come through St. Louis, I got lost and wound up in the worst part of town. 
couldn't find the bridge across the river because that's the only reason I came through St. Louis anyway. And, and back then the air pollution was pretty bad. And you couldn't see any blue sky, it was brown until you got up to about here. And then it started to get blue and you could tell it was blue over here. But I hated that because I grew up in the country. And uh, so no way. And the job wasn't right. The pay wasn't right. And I was arguing with the Lord. God, I can't live on that here because the cost of living is going to be higher and all these things. And finally he got fed up with me and says, again, just like in your ear, says, who are you trusting? Me or your own right arm? Oh, okay. And I took the job. And I've been delighted ever since. Uh, and, and the people, uh, especially New Covenant, have just been awesome. Wow. And everything has been great. God knows what he's doing. And he has a better plan than we can come up with. Amen. So. That's good. That's good. Can you tell us about how you first came to New Covenant and what, what's kept you here? And... <laughs> yeah, the, uh, <laughs> I was in this little uh, charismatic church in uh, Memphis, and uh, the pastor found out I was coming to St. Louis, and he says, oh, well, you'll want to go to the Sheep Shed. And for those of you who are new, that was the name of the building we were in, and it, the church itself was sort of known as the Sheep Shed, even though the name was New Covenant. And he says, it's a mature work. We've got about 2,000. Oh, no, no way. I'm on a small church, and <laughs> besides, it's going to be on the other side of town. And I'll go visit it once just to satisfy my preacher, but nah. Turns out it was about three blocks from my house. <laughs> Went there once and couldn't go anyplace else anyway. It was just marvelous. The Spirit of God was just powerful there. The love of God. The, the, the people were just delighted with God. And uh, it's been marvelous ever since. Yeah, we've been through some rough times. But God didn't leave. Never. And uh, when we had uh, a problem there and the pastor fell, I don't know how many of you know the story on that, but I won't repeat it. But one of the guys that I looked up to one day came to me and he, he had tears in his eyes. He said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I looked at him kind of strange. He said, well, God didn't die. That's true. So problems are not the problem. <laughs> the problem is how we face problems. And if we trust God, we listen to him and delight in his answers, even though we don't like them in the flesh. We know that there's something better than anything we could come up with in the flesh. And uh, so God has always been here. The people, uh, the, the love of people, when, when we have visitors and I get to talk to them, I'll say, you can feel the love of God here. You can see it in the people. 
And when I've, I've visited churches all over the country, I used to travel, and you go into a church that doesn't necessarily love the Lord all that much, and as soon as the service is over, they're all gone. But here, you have to chase them out. <laughs> I've, I've seen them have to turn the lights off to get people to get out of here. Because they love each other, and that's because of the love of God. And that is so evident in New Covenant, that, uh, and is rare. But uh, it's wonderful. Can you tell us a story about your son and about how God used some things happening in your life to hold you to himself? Oh, my. Uh, my youngest son, Dan, was about 15 years old. And we had an open field just over the hill from us that he'd wander over there, and uh, he and his friends and things. Well, one day I was over at the church working, and... My daughter, that was Saturday, and my daughter called and says, Dad, get home. Dan came in with a bad burn, and, and you need to be here. I went home real quick, and Dan had, uh, well, actually, I uh, left out a little bit of it here. I had gone home for lunch, and Dan had come in just before I was ready to leave, go back to church, and he was all muddy really just mud from head to foot and he was sitting on the bottom step of the stairs and trying to get his boots off and I said Dan are you okay he said yeah I'm fine uh, I knew something was wrong but I just thought well he's had a run in with some of his friends and he's mad so uh, he went on and he says I'm just tired I want to go to bed I want to sleep so I said, okay and he went in to his room, went to sleep. I went on back to the church, and then Sharon called and says, Dad, get home. I went home, and on the inside of his right thigh were deep blue black wounds, like as if it had been, uh, well, it's a kind of a thing that you might see with somebody had a bad fall on the basketball court and, and had a burn from, from a slide and a bruise. It looked very unusual. Uh, how'd you get that? I don't know. And uh, what in the world? Uh, and his britches, there were no, there was no evidence there of any anything. I said, good grief, has some of his so-called friends taken him and taken his pants off and taken a torch to him? He didn't remember anything. And I thought, well, sometimes he's reluctant to talk about things that he, so I thought maybe he was just not wanting to say. But anyway, uh, another friend was there at the house at the time, and he says, you need to get him to the hospital and get that dressed. So we took him to the hospital. And I said, well, I'm going to have to look over the area where he was and see if I can find any clues as to what happened. When I, after we got to the hospital, the doctor looked, looked him over, and he came back out and started quizzing me. <laughs> Maybe I was the cause of this thing. 
And uh, I can understand that, because uh, I'm a mean guy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and my uh, daughter says, and his hair is singed. And so the doctor went back in and examined him and found on, on, under his scalp, on the side of his head here, patch about three inches across, around, burned to a crisp under his hair. And the doc came back and says, he has come in contact with an electrical source. And this was the entry wound, and this is the exit wound. That meant, and I've called the uh, uh, electric, oh yeah, he, he remembered then that he was starting to climb an electric pole. And uh, so I called the electric company and said, how much voltage was on that line? It's 7,200 volts. He had come in contact with that hot line. 7,200 volts went through his brain, his neck, and body. And uh, one of the uh, orderlies there at the hospital says, I'm sure it stopped his heart. Well, this is about a 20-foot, 30-foot pole. Well, when he got zapped in the head, he didn't just climb down. He had to have fallen and uh, wasn't hurt any other way. So there was a miracle of God that he survived the, the shock, then another miracle that he survived the fall. And uh, this technician says, I'm sure it stopped his heart, but the fall restarted it. The impact of the fall. And uh, then as he started to remember more and more, he says, yeah, and he climbed this 30-foot sheer rock face where there's an old abandoned rock quarry. And, uh, but he'd climbed that before. But here in this condition, he scaled that wall and started up this muddy riverbank embankment here that was just muddy as all get out. And he says, and I think I passed out and rolled back down the hill. If he'd rolled far enough, he'd have gone off that 30-foot rock cliff. And so as far as I'm concerned, that's another miracle. And, uh, but then the as he was in the hospital, and a shock like that messes up your uh, electrolytes. So they had to keep him and make sure everything was good. Well, everything looked pretty good. And then they were saying, okay, we need to operate and move some flaps of his scalp over the burnt area there. Okay, this is now we are going to have a neurosurgeon, a brain surgeon standing by because that bone is charred and we may just have to take out that bone. Well, uh, my wife and I were praying that that bone removal would not be necessary and that uh, there'd be no visible scars. Surgery went fine. They didn't have to take out the bone. But when he came out of surgery, he was fine. But then later on, toward evening, 
His eyes rolled back up in his head. His arm was like this, and he was, he was basically paralyzed and unconscious. We, that was a Wednesday evening, and the uh, church there was in the middle of the midweek service. I called the church and says, would you send over the elders to pray for Dan and bring some anointing oil? In a few minutes, they came in. These five dear friends, love them, marvelous, great people, love every one of them. They came in, anointed him, prayed for him, and as they left, Dan's eyes started to come back, and his, he started to move his legs. We called the neurosurgeon to confirm. He says, yeah, he's, he's, he's improved, but we need to do this, uh, I forget what the procedure is, but it's, it's a dangerous, um, they inject a chemical and do some brain x-rays, and people die from that. So, well, God's preserved him from this point. He can certainly preserve him through that. So they wheeled him down to x-ray. And when he came out x-ray, he smiled and waved at me. <laughs> I spent the night uh, holding his hand and praying and whatnot. And the next morning, he was just bubbling. And uh, he'd had trouble eating. He had to force himself to eat. He could have eaten a pillow at that time. <laughs> and uh, But here's the real kicker on that. I wanted to thank every one of the elders personally. And I said, okay, we had, uh, and I can't remember the names right now, but, and I could only remember the names of four of them. And I couldn't remember who the fifth one was. And I tried and tried and tried, and I talked to my wife, and. She says, well, yeah, there was, and she named those four. And then she thought and thought, and I said, well, there were five, weren't there? She said, oh, yes, there were five, but she couldn't remember who the fifth one was. I called the church. Vi Grierson was the secretary. And she says, Rex, there were only four, and she named the same four. I said, no, no, Vi, there were five. She said, Rex, there were only four. <laughs> so I talked to the them. I said, yeah, there were only four of us, and they named the same four. Well, who was the fifth one? Well, by that time, I pretty much knew. <laughs> it was either an angel or Jesus himself. I prefer to think it was Jesus that came in there and stood by Dan's bed and prayed for him. Uh, and now, now, you say, well, could we have just imagined a fifth person well, my wife's mother was there at the time, too, and she didn't know any of them. I asked her, do you remember how many people came in and prayed for Dan? She says, yes, yes, there were six. <laughs> now, wait a minute. <laughs> and I uh, realized that I had posed the question to her that were, that were praying for Dan. Well, I was standing there praying for Dan, too. And I said, did you count those that came in or those that were standing around the bed praying for him? She said, well, I was counting those around the bed. OK, that one of those was me. So that would mean five others. 
So here was another independent witness of the situation. The nurse was in there. <clears throat> and she just sat over in the corner and we ran into her then later, uh, a week or so later when we were returned visit. And says, uh, Terry, do you remember how many of those elders came in and prayed for damn? She says, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> that these guys would come there and do that. And uh, she says, yeah, there, there were five. Well, you know, if it had been an orderly, she would have known the orderly. And he wouldn't have been standing there praying for Dan. Well, maybe not. I don't know. But everything, every question you can ask to imagine who else it might have been was cut off by the witnesses that were there. So it had to have been a spiritual being who was a dear friend who I knew intimately and appreciated and loved greatly. And uh, I believe it was Jesus himself. Wow. And the miracles continued because uh, the, the thing had damaged his legs and he, could, he couldn't walk. The physical therapy, they were strengthening his muscles and everything. When he got ready to discharge him, uh, the doctor had said and ordered a walker for him. And uh, the physical therapist crossed that out and put a four-footed cane. The doctor threw a fit. He says, there's no way he can get around with a four-footed cane. I've ordered a walker. And she says, you just don't know how fast he's progressing. Well, he couldn't have progressed that fast. You just come down and watch the next session. I had one more session. Doctor went down and watched him. Said, okay, four-footed cane. <laughs> we took the four-footed cane. He set it in the corner and never touched it. Wow. Wow. And before long, he was out on the side of the hill there, kicking a soccer ball up the hill and running back and forth the side of the hill to kick it back in order to strengthen his coordination, etc. So the miracles just kept going. And one more. He couldn't concentrate. And his studies, he says, Dad. I have to read the same sentence five times to, to, to know what it said. Well, I'd seen this look in his eye that I had seen many times before in people who had a demon problem. And now some people say, no, demon can't possess. Well, depends on what you mean by possess. <laughs> of course, they can't possess a Christian but they can sure bother him. Um, so anyway, I, I said, well, Dan, I think this is a demon situation that he's taken advantage of the fact that she couldn't, re couldn't ward him off. So <clears throat> we'll just pray and get rid of it. Okay? Said, yeah, yeah. We prayed. And I think it was two days when he was back to full normal thinking. Wow. So... They're just miracle after miracle associated with this guy. And uh, I just praise God that he is real. <laughs> These aren't just stories in the Bible. This is real. And uh, just, just as real as you are. Amen. Praise God. That's good. Man, thank you, Lord, for Dan. Yes, yes. That's amazing. What, uh, what advice would you like to give to dads, 
for young men here, uh, just as or encouragement as we're for Father's Day? Is there anything you'd like to say to everybody? Yes, um, something that I wish I had known when I first became a father. Um, it wasn't nearly the emphasis back then in the churches on fatherhood. You hear quite a bit about it now, but uh, I didn't hear much of anything about it. So we had this book by Dr. Spock that told about raising children, and that was the most popular thing around. So we said, okay, we'll, we'll go with that. Well, one of his things was you do not spank a child. Well, no. <laughs> I knew the Bible said different than that. And, uh, but <clears throat> the thing of don't push your uh, expectations onto them. Let them develop the way they are naturally inclined. And don't make a butcher out of somebody that's destined to be an air, airplane pilot. And I can understand that. Okay, so we sort of let them, I let them grow up pretty much by themselves. Now their mother was, oh boy, she was really intense with them and took them everywhere and everything. So that, I thought, well, okay, that's making up for my not being engaged that much with them. But now I've found that no, the scripture says, teach your children. Bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I should have been spending a lot of time with them, teaching them about God, teaching them that, hey, this isn't a bunch of rules and regulations by some angry, crotchety old God off somewhere that just getting ready to smack you anytime you get out of line. And that's the understanding, the attitude I think many, many people grew up with. And even I had some of that after years and years in the church. But if we realize that as Psalm 119, this is where I really uh, came to appreciate the law of God because 119 just talks about <clears throat> how great the law of God is. And in thy precepts do I meditate day and night. Meditate day and night on the law of God. What? What about it is so fascinating? And so I started meditating on what was so good about the law of God. And I found, hey, it isn't to restrict us. It's to help us. It's to protect us. And it's great. It's wonderful. There's nothing better. We can't possibly come up with anything better than what God has told us. And we should be delighted in it. We should be meditating on it day and night because it's so good. And if we, had, if we would teach our children to appreciate God's instructions from that perspective, I think uh, we wouldn't be losing so many young people from the churches as we are today. I think they see God as some angry, crotchety old fellow that 
is just smack you if you step out of line and just hoping you do. So. Uh, we did, um, for some period of time, and I, I, I don't know why this wasn't a, an absolute all through uh, Christian life, we did have family Bible studies. And <laughs> three kids, always one of them would be sullen, not the same one every time. One would be enthused, and the other nonchalant, and it switched. But years later, when I realized how much they learned from that, that, oh my gosh, we should have been having that from day one, and never miss a one. So I would very much encourage you to do that. Have, have Bible studies with your kids, and uh, Pray for them constantly. <laughs> and uh, as, as one pastor uh, of my granddaughter, who, when they were getting married, my granddaughter was marrying his son. And at the wedding ceremony, the pastor says to, uh, to my granddaughter, says, I've been praying for you before you were born. Says because I've been praying for a wife for my son, who would be all of this thing, and you're it. You're you 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 fit all of those qualifications. Awesome. <laughs> uh, man, that's fantastic that we would have that kind of foresight. Yeah. And indeed, the scriptures always talked in terms of generations, yeah. way on down the line. And one of the scriptures uh, about Abraham, uh, you know, when he was uh, going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, says, should I tell Abraham about this? Well, I know him, and that he's going to raise his children to know, the, know God. And I think it mentioned several generations or future generations. So we need to have that long time, long range view of raising our children to ensure that they are equipped to have an impact in the world. Had my generation done that, I don't think the U.S. would be in the mess it's in right now. But we failed. We don't want to fail. We want to raise our kids to have the impact in the world. And I and trust God that he will use them to do that. Amen. Amen. Would you mind please praying for us, for the, our kids? I know it's Father's Day, but um, the fathers, we love the kids. <laughs> you know, so we pray for our kids and our grandkids and great-grandkids. <clears throat> and just take a minute and let's pray together, and then we'll, yes. uh, we're going to pray for all the dads after that. Father, thank you that you have revealed yourself as a father. Yeah. And as such, you have revealed the, the very best way to live and, and you have the very best plans for us. Your love is so incredible, so perfect. You take into consideration every aspect of our lives and our futures. And you have a fantastic future prepared for us. And we thank you and praise you for that. And we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to 
have that same uh, attitude, uh, expectation, that, that God-like character and love for our children, Lord, especially the fathers, because it's so, so much, Lord, that the fathers are off doing their thing and let the wives and mothers handle it. But it's the Father's responsibility, and we thank you and praise you that you set it up that way, and you know what's best. So we pray, Father, that you would put in the hearts of all of the uh, fathers with children at home to take the time to spend with their kids teaching them, and not only teaching them uh, formally, but teaching them by the way they live, by the way they respond, by the way they treat their wives, by the way they treat everybody else. And Lord, that you would give the fathers wisdom to understand you and what your kingdom is like and what your heart is and to submit to that so that their hearts will be like that as well because you are living in us and through us, Lord, that we might exhibit your glory because we're living in accordance with your requirements, expectations, and the plans that you have for us, Lord, that are good, that are incredibly good. And Father, we pray that you would teach us how to raise the kids and teach them, how to instill in them love for you that will not fade and that will continue on to the next generation and the next and the next. Father, that it, that it wouldn't fade out with generations, but it would grow with generations. And Father, we thank you and praise you that you have this force. And we pray that you would draw us into it Thank you. and fulfill it through us. Yes. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. Father, we pray for Rex and for Victoria. We thank you, Lord, for your hand of blessing on them. Lord, we pray blessing upon them in every way. Lord, for vitality and strength to do all that you've called them to, for health on both their bodies, Lord, for strength in their relationships. Lord, thank you for a great testimony. Thank you, Lord, not just to see your miracles, but, Lord, to walk with you Mm, and in obedience to you. Yes. Lord, thank you that you are doing a great work in them and a great work in our body and a great work in St. Louis and a great work in your world because we all belong to you. So, Lord, we bend the knee to you. We say, Jesus Christ, you're our king. There is no name above your name. There is no one else at whose name we bow Mm -hmm. but Jesus. Mm -hmm. Lord, to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Victoria, would you mind coming up here, please? Can you stand for us? Mm -hmm. Let's just give a round of applause to Rex and Victoria. We honor this faithful couple. Nora, we've got a special gift for you if you want to come on up. I know. 
This is for you guys. Thank you, Nora. Thank you. Thank All you. the other dads get a little version of this. Oh. But you get a giant version. Wow. But you have to give one to Victoria. <laughs> That's the, the goal, you know. Oh, no. Well, okay. I'm just kidding. Hey, God bless you all. Happy Father's Day. We love you. We've got a great king. His name's Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you're a dad today, let's give a round of applause. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.